Remember the simpler times in the 90s? The bygone days of Beanie Babies, affordable homes, and endless stream of John Grisham books being turned into blockbusters? Hey, remember Blockbuster? Whether you're looking for a hit of nostalgia, a laugh, or just learning about some of the behind-the-scenes insanity of working in a porn shop the day before Christmas, you have to check out the Talkbuster podcast. An awesome podcast where every episode, Chris Chipman sits down with a guest to talk about the good and the bad of those bygone days. Welcome to Geeks of Grimdark, your home for everything Warhammer, be they elves or Eldar, Space Marine or Stormcast, we've got you covered. I'm Lord Commander Orc, and with me as always is... His shield brother, Axel Wright. How's it going tonight, man? It is going alright. This is a, a full Geeks of Grimdark? This is a full <laughs> Geeks of Grimdark. Alright, alright, we'll see what happens. I am starving. Uh, I haven't had a chance to eat yet, um, for a number of reasons, so I will try not to let that get to me. If you hear munching sounds off, just off mic, it's Axel eating his hand. That would involve me having food here. Like I said, <laughs> so, so you're eating your hand. Oh, I didn't even catch that. Yeah, my brain's not operating at 100. So, yeah, we'll see. How are you doing? Uh, All in all, pretty good. It is funny that, you know, like right after my birthday, it just it stops being summer here. Like it's just been rain and kind of overcast for them. Like, goddamn, every year it's just like, all right, well, August is over now. So it's winter. We're not winter. It's fall. And it, it amuses me. As our summer picked up seemingly on Sunday, I had a friend of mine come over to help me do some more yard work. And he said that we let's see, we worked on it for about five hours. And he he sent me a message later that said that his car's thermometer said 118 degrees when he was driving away. Now it wasn't 118, but it meant that his car heated up to 118. Yeah, no, I think we just kind of got like this weird dorm to move in now because i mean previous years it's been warm but it's just i don't know it's weird that this year it was just and it's fall mm. like sun starts setting storm moved in like it's falling that's just weird again i'm not really complaining because the heat was getting a bit intense for a bit like high 90s is not bad but when it's also 95 percent humidity it's a whole other ball game yeah. Oh, absolutely. I remember <laughs> what the first time and the only time I've ever been out to Florida, I was there with my buddy Denim and he'd been there before and he had strong opinions and he laughed his ass off because I literally got off the plane. I stood in the doorway of the the plane because I was the last one off and I that that wall hit me and it was only like October, so it wasn't even that bad. But that wall of moisture hit me and heat. And I just said out loud, I hate this. <laughs> October in Florida isn't bad, but any time of year in Florida is also just inhumanly humid. That's my point, is that it wasn't even that bad, but it was still bad enough for me to instantly feel it the second it's I It's a big swamp. Yeah. It's a swamp state. So yeah, that was a, a good trip. It was just funny that that was my literal first words in Florida. Yeah, no, that's, again, I've been there a couple times, and every time I'm like, how do people live here? Why do people live here? It obviously uh, doesn't no. want us to. I live in a desert. It's dry as hell here, so I don't have to worry about that. Yeah, no, you just have your fucking lizard people out there with your rocks. Yeah, I'm not going to argue that. You're not wrong. <laughs> 
Anyways, let's roll on into our patron sound off. People that love this podcast and keep it funded. Our wonderful, wonderful patrons. They are Pam Galley, Marky, Chris Chipman, River Galley, Krug, Arthur Crane, Kevin Vape, Brendan Agu, John Vinnels, Kit Kenny, Donna Lucy, Patrick Anderson, Carson Mel, Scott Ruben, Derek Tukai, and Peter Cook. Now, if you'd like to join the Illustrious Legion, head over to patreon.com forward slash geeks with shields. 25 cents an episode is a dollar a month. That is the bare minimum that we ask of you. But peek behind the curtain. Because of the way Patreon works, $5 is really the tier that exists for us to be profitable. That's where we started adding the bonus content. This is the one and only time we will address that. We didn't address We addressed it in a previous episode that didn't get released. I just want to put that out there. Anyways, the Warhammer TV show is getting talked about again. So we're here to talk about it again. As if it never really stops being talked about and pretty much won't stop being talked about until it happens. Yeah, I just saw an uptick because the third season of the witcher came out and it wasn't good i'm hearing and the cries of henry cavill save us went up and i'm like guys i don't think you know what you're asking for yeah well here's the thing real quick put that aside about uh about henry cavill cavill i never however it's a british name they pronounce their words weird because i used to greatly dislike henry cavill that's because i'm a huge superman fan and I have come to accept that what was done to the character Superman while he played him was really not his fault. But he's, he's in Cable is a really charming guy. He's a really a nice, he's a pretty nice person from what I can see from interviews and stuff when it comes to like his fans and other actors. He's somewhat limited as an actor. As yep. long as he understands what he's capable of doing, he can fill a role pretty well, which is why I actually like him as Geralt. Then again, I have no connection to the Witcher books, although I've been told from some other people that he does a a, a fine job. Yeah, limited. He, but... Yeah, he was mostly a problem on the Witcher because of his fighting with the writers because he's a giant nerd, like he's a colossal nerd. Yeah, just, you know, why people like him. So all that is to say that he's not going to be some magic cure all, but I do think that having him as an executive producer on a Warhammer thing is probably good because you got a big name with money and who cares about attached being attached to the original material. Those are all good things. That doesn't mean he's going to be a magic bullet. A lot yeah. else needs to go right as well. Well, there's also this thing that we as nerds all have to accept. Just because you love something doesn't mean you're the person to tell that story and doesn't make it good. Yeah, like I don't know what his writing capability is. I would. I would no, be I'm not even worried about that. It's just that. you know. We know plenty of people that love Warhammer and to know the lore forwards and backwards that we want nothing to do with ever telling stories about it. Which we will not even give them the dignity of mentioning their names here. No, I'm just saying this idea of, well, if it's lore accurate, it'll be good. Like, no, that is the absolute wrong approach to storytelling. I mean, yeah, we talked about that with adaptations a while back, I think, where it's like you have to make the story that's right for the medium you're telling in. And yep. sometimes... That means you have to change things. Now, the important thing to remember to adapt uh, honestly and accurately is whatever the feeling or appeal is. That's not the same thing as adapting details, which can be changed. Yeah, no, that's where the big thing is. And last, there's a reason. There's a reason why people say that Event Horizon is basically the best 40K movie, despite having not at all being a 40K movie. But it's also not a good movie, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. But the point is simply that, like, yeah, you get the appeal, you get the concept, you get the aesthetic. These are more important than getting details. Yeah. And last things last, we've kind of talked around this subject in a previous episode of Geeks of Grimdark we did with Zev 
on just like pitching some ideas for Warhammer TV shows. This time we're going to talk about the issues the community keeps parroting and the actual real issues that face this show. Well, I will say real has colossal quotation marks. Neither Ulrich and I are screenwriters yes. or producers. This is just, we're trying to say like, all right, what are the things that are really kind of fanboy BS and what are seemingly from our understanding more legitimate obstacles? Yeah. And I just, I don't want to say I want to address the bad community takes or facetious reasons because who damn am I tired of hearing these ones to get parroted by literally everybody at all levels of the community and they're just abjectly wrong I think I'm gonna I'm gonna gonna say I will argue these are abjectly wrong boneheaded very dumb takes I like ending on good things so let's start with the bad things yeah well the bad things we can breeze through Auric has a list that I can see and so I already know what he's got but because it's his list, I'll let him introduce us. Well, this is my list and a bit of our community, our Discord's feedback on a, on things. All right. So these are the problems you see the community thinks are the problem. And we'll go right at the one. Normal audiences won't accept the grim dark setting. You know why this is inherently wrong right off the bat? Because. <laughs> go ahead. Because horror. Horror is a genre. Because horror. Because Game of Thrones. Because Chernobyl because the last of us because the boys because any gritty dark adult drama in the last 30 fucking years is more mature and grimdark than Warhammer yeah I mean the wire is consistently called the greatest television show ever made if not the Sopranos Breaking Bad Sons of Anarchy yeah so no and the reason I brought up horror specifically is that grimdark is Grimdark is actually a lot more complicated than people give it credit for. But if yeah. we simplify it to the, the the way that blood will say, it's this idea of like absolute hopelessness. The like expanse. Hopelessness. Yeah. Alien. Aliens. But I'm just saying that horror already succeeds at having that kind of thing deliver well at audiences. Raised by wolves. Westworld. Yeah. So that already, I don't, don't care about that. Yeah. I, and I will, I will say, I have seen some people... Uh, that I respect highly, like con- like content people, refer to Grimdark as being uh, mean, as not understanding the point of it, as it being at counter odds to what kind of stories need to be told because it breaks the idea of even having a reward. I, I don't agree with that because Grimdark, among other things, pushes forward an idea that struggle is inherently rewarding itself without needing a reward at the end without needing narrative satisfaction but that's a conversation for another time i just had to get that out there yeah uh second one kind of feeds into this one of there's no good guys so the audience there's no protagonist to tell the story about or audiences won't go with any of the main characters because well they're not good people well everything that you just said see previous point you were doing yeah just (laughs) listing things those almost all of them were that Yes. I mean, you know, we did a whole episode. People, lo- we are stuck in this weird anti-hero trend if where anything, people love it. Yeah, if anything, we are currently in the opposite, where a show like Ted Lasso or Superman, or My Adventures with Superman, those are the exceptions where there actually is a good guy. Most television now is built around, well, okay, I'm not going to say most. Most 
prestige popular by internet standards television is built yeah. around terrible people and both ted lasso and my adventures of superman have gotten pushback from people going i don't like how nice and positive they are yeah but even that pushback is actually quite minority pushback i know i'm just saying it's like there's no good like it's just it's a dumb take and i hate it yeah. and so i mean the, the favorite movie of this podcast watchmen is itself and in its source material built around the very concept of telling an amazing story where no one is the character you're supposed to really identify with at all. They're all terrible. And that's the point. Hell Watchmen, the TV series goes back to this. I'm like, you know, not really in, and that interestingly enough caused a lot of people issues. I For saw anyone who, anyone who just watched the movie and didn't read the comic, which I don't understand how they might exist, but uh, know that even if you're sitting there going, well, what about night owl? He was the good. Yeah, they really sanded off a lot of what made him not uh, powerful from the comic. Just just saying. Yeah, no, I saw a complaint about the Watchmen TV series that was they didn't like that they made the main protagonist of the show a cop. And, you know, like, I don't want to root for a cop in 2023. Like, that's kind of the whole thing of Watchmen. You're not supposed to. You're like, oh, you're all just different flavors of terrible. You know what? There's a whole other conversation there, yes. especially with Looking Glass. Uh, so, um, oh yeah, no, and it goes a whole that. level deeper. But it was just kind of funny. I'm like, yeah, that's the point. You're not supposed to fully commit to any one of these characters. Anyway, so not having any good guys is actually more conventional than having a straight good guy. And yeah. audiences will attach to a character as long as they are relatable, regardless of moral standing. So, yeah. bad argument. And the last one, and this is my big personal bugbear with the Warhammer community in general, is the lore is too dense to be adapted. No, it's yeah, not. Bullshit. You just yeah. don't know how to explain it simply. Or you're, two, you're you're hyping it up to be a bigger thing than it is. Because it's two not problems. that deep. Yeah, two problems. One, it's it isn't, it really isn't. It's vast, it's extremely big. I've been, you know, delved deep into it now for you know a number of years. I'm no I'm no lore master of Sotech or or you know, anything like that when it comes to this kind of thing. But I still have been, you know, engrossed in it. And that doesn't mean that it's dense, though. There are plenty of avenues to to attack it from that are palatable to someone who doesn't know. There's a reason why a lot of people have gotten into it the last three years specifically. Yeah, there's I mean, humans, the obvious and they fight the aliens, which don't look like humans at all, look very creepy, and they're secondly, mech suits. Yeah, and secondly, even if it was... That isn't a problem. The number of material, like things that have extremely dense lore and still get very popular because when they are adapted or when they're put into a certain like access point are accessible because they attack the lore in bits by pieces is huge. Hell, that's that's what Lord of the Rings is. Yeah, Lord, Lord of the Rings, Rings is, is like dense. Grand, yeah, it's the granddaddy of dense lore and they made like all the money in the world off of it. I'm super into Star Trek. Star Trek has a crazy dense self like conflicting lore and it's not that hard to follow at all, really. Like it's the same thing here. Yeah, if they tried to put fucking everything into the first show, that would be a problem. So you, you know, don't do that. People get it twisted like well, you, you need to know all the variations of the no. various space marine chapters and the planets they hail from and their culture. Yeah. And then and the you need first... to know the entire Horus heresy to appreciate. No, you don't. Yeah. Humans are first... over here. Orcs are over here. They don't like each other. 
Yeah, in the first show, in the first whatever adaptation, they don't even the audience doesn't even need to know what a space marine is. I know that Hell. sounds like blasphemy because they are the poster childs, but the point is that you can introduce things piecemeal. Very easily. You know how many Xenos races probably will not get mentioned at all in the first season of whatever television show eventually gets made? You'll probably won't see Eldar. You probably won't see Orcs. You probably won't see Tyranids, and you probably won't see Tau, because it's almost certain that the first adaptation is going to be an Imperium v. Chaos story. You might get Gene Sealer Colts. Maybe. Yeah, or you just go real simple and you do Guard versus Tyranids because humans versus bugs real simple they don't need to know where they come from they don't need to know about synapse they don't need to know about any of that all they need to yeah, know is but the humans are fighting the big scary bugs i will tell you though i would put money down on we seeing genes to the cults before we see tyranids because genes to the cults become a perfect narrative ramp to tyranids oh yeah and there's a bunch of other reasons but you know this whole lore is dense is just it's us trying to justify the hours we've spent memorizing fake history yeah and that's and again any fiction is gonna be like there's plenty of you, you don't have to do it all you really don't yeah so no those are the common community arguments that get thrown out that is why i say they are bullshit oh well, there is there is uh, one community oh, argument I missed. That, huh i missed one no no no. i was gonna say there's there's one community argument I think maybe you did and i only bring this up because i watched a video by luton talking about this and for anyone who somehow doesn't know, Luton is like the lore master for 40k on YouTube. The, the guy is probably the most comprehensive channel for 40k lore. And he also is almost an ASMR channel and his voice is very pleasant. But he did like a, a long video and I watched like two months ago or something like that talking about what he saw as the barriers to, to a Warhammer show. Now, I honestly I don't remember most of it, so I apologize if I end up parroting some things he said. But one thing he did say that I didn't really agree with is he spent a whole lot of time talking about how he felt the basically the the darkness and the seriousness and that particular aspect of the aesthetic would not go over well with a general audience. Normal and audiences I, won't accept the grim dark setting. Yeah, not quite. It's close, but he was It's in that general vein though. I remember because I disagreed with that one harshly. And I'm like, yeah, no, no I, I generally disagree with him, too. But as mentioned that what he's what he's really trying to get at there is I feel like the level of what you do to reach a mass audience, like those things that we've talked about that we referenced, right, are I still think are valid is like grimdark comparisons. But you generally don't see things like everything to do with servitors or flagellants or, you know, cherubs even in any of those things that we mentioned yeah but here's so, the other thing now i don't think this is a valid argument i'm just it's not i'm just putting it out there as like i think it's more valid than the other level of the conversation well, we, we can address that but also games workshop has this figured out because their number one market is boys age 8 to 12 and their parents so they know how to market this to kids and more importantly, their parents. And again, cherubs and servitors and all that deep lore shit. You don't ever have to explain that. That's just a weird aesthetic thing. You go, huh, that's weird. Because nobody actually cares that much except deep lore. It's like, wait a second. Where'd that floating baby come from? Again, I, those are just the examples that came to mind. Now, I know. Now, again, I don't think that's a valid argument because I don't think that those level of like 
dark, super gritty, edgy aspects of the lore are required to mm-hmm. get across what Warhammer is. They exist, and the fact that they exist is neat, but part of what's cool about Warhammer to me is how so vast it is that we can have funny and grotesque. Yeah. And so whatever thing you adapt first doesn't have to spend a whole lot of time there. Yeah. And I mean, the boys has done incredibly dark shit and is beloved by masked audiences. Yeah. So the boys had a guy who could shrink, go in someone's dick and then grow and explode him. There's not much I've read. in, in the secret the is if you make it a comedy, then people don't take it as seriously. You know, Warhammer is a comedy. <laughs> and, and there's going to be a lot of fans who will disagree with us about that. We've said it oh, many times. Warhammer is silly. Now, we love Warhammer. I love like the stories that don't seemingly have overt silliness, but they're still really silly. And... No, it's at its core, it's a comedy with layers of seriousness around it. And those two make great juxtaposition because you're like, this is a really fucked up, weird universe, but the orcs talk cockney. But plus, even the most serious stuff is usually aping something like Shakespeare, yes. which. Again, remember, Shakespeare himself was more comedic than, you know, you think he is in high school when you don't like reading his stuff. The guy was playing to regular people, but he was a master of taking essentially very serious, high-minded ideas and then making them palatable to a general audience. Same kind of concept here. Yeah. Also, just like the technology is dumb and stupid and is not supposed to have this level of inspection because it's meant to be dumb and stupid and silly. Now, I mention this particularly because I think it actually relates to the first bullet point we have as a real problem because it's a very closely related thing. But again, I don't actually think this is a real problem. Uh, Well, not as much as those three bullet points we started with. So the first thing Ulrich has here is that the aesthetic... In this case, he means visual aesthetic primarily, is difficult to capture and not have it look derivative or dumb. Now, I think this is a related conversation because it's the same kind of principle of like what it is we have to what it is we have to show versus what it is we don't have to show. In the same way that we don't have to show lobotomized babies, even though they exist in the lore, we, we don't have to show that. We also don't have to show various aspects of the aesthetic that are more difficult to to land on like unless you've got good uh, if they don't have the right budget for it it makes sense not to show like a ceramite power armored person early on but spending a lot of time in a hive city hive cities aren't too bad yeah you can probably just i've said for a couple years now just ape altered carbon Altered Carbon got the aesthetic down pretty well for at least that aspect of things. And you could basically copy that and get across most of what you want to get across here. Yeah, but let's let's throw open the gates and talk about all of it. Because, yeah, there's some corners you can stick to. And like, okay, yeah, that's safe. But, like, if you show the ecclesiarchy, because you kind of got touched on the religion, then it's kind of like, why is the Pope wearing a hat made of skulls? Uh think that that really is a big thing i, I think that it's a, have, it's one you got to work you got to have a great set designer and a great costume designer i'll agree with that because, because there's some are, incredible cosplay out there we've seen the cosplay like that looks great that looks like it belongs in a movie but i will say i think there's a visual shorthand that works really well for that which is that for a general audience especially a an audience familiar with the catholic church and the christian church 
seeing a Pope figure and then seeing, for lack of a better term, ostentation, large ostentation, which for anyone who doesn't know, basically is like gaudiness, uh, way over the top you know, visual things, stained glass, you know, yeah. big outfits, giant hats. An audience is going to see religious imagery and ostentation and pretty quickly put together whether they realize it or not like oh okay so this is like big corrupt church i've seen this in yeah. other fiction a lot and i think look at it but you just gotta admit certain stuff and the you're ever like it has to look real and convincing but because 40k is a magpie universe you gotta like it can't look too much like anything else because otherwise people are gonna just turn off going oh this is just bootleg of starship troopers power rangers what have you i think that they do i don't think that that is inherently a problem yes there is a certain level of when everything is pulling from something that something can feel derivative we saw that happen with john carter but yep. like, i just you're gonna need a great again this comes down to your costume designer and your set designer and your prop designer you get a damn good prop team in there yeah now, don't get me wrong i don't want to have a early uh, late 90s early thousands superhero conundrum where they basically strip out oh, yeah. all of the visually unique stuff which is completely. another thing they might want to do is like okay we're just going to do cadians because cadians are just dudes in light flak vests looks like vietnam good it's like well you could but then you're just kind of losing the flavor but you also don't want them to fucking do i don't know i can't think of a really ostentatious guard regiment off the top of my head but you get what i mean I, i'm just saying that if they for their set design and their costuming design, tone things down a bit. I wouldn't necessarily find that a problem. Now, again, that feels kind of blasphemous because part of the point of Warhammer is how extra it is. Yeah. But you can make it look crazy extra in live action without necessarily going all the way to that. Like, I feel weird bringing this up because I know this actually is a contentious point now. I've seen people argue about... Uh, marvel superhero costumes and what they've been doing to some of them now there's a whole other conversation there but for the most part they are very effective at if not absolutely one-to-oneing a costume really evoking yeah. the original costume and you can do that kind of thing here yeah the point is i'm not saying it can't be done i'm just saying that's an actual challenge we're gonna have to figure out how to adapt this aesthetic to keep the aesthetic without either washing it out or just going over the top like no, this just looks dumb. I'm not watching. Sure. But again, I, I feel like, uh, not again, I didn't say this yet. I feel like really the main way they'll be able to deal with that and why, I'm not going to argue that it's not an obstacle, but I think the main way to handle it is to stay in one aesthetic corner. Yes. Because Which they're going to do. A, they're yeah, they're, they're going to, this first one's going to stick. To, we're not going to galaxy hopper. Like, no, no. We are here on this thing because this is the aesthetic we cracked. This is the story we want to tell. Yeah, and until until an actual show comes out, I'm going to keep hitting the drum of an Inquisitor on a Hive City dealing with a cult. Whether it's a Chaos cult or a Gene Sealer cult, I don't know. I can go either way. But that's all you need to do, and we can stick to that aesthetic, steal from Walter Carbon, but dial it up a bit more. Pretty easy solution, I think. Yeah. Now, the next one goes without saying and does get talked about a lot by the community and is a generally good one. It's going to be expensive. Now, this, I feel, is a much bigger problem. Yeah. 
here's what I'll say. I don't really want to have a conversation about this because I don't want to have Ulrich. Ulrich's gonna, at time of recording, we are about three and a half hours away from the live action One Piece dropping. I'm going to fucking watch that basically oh, that's right, immediately. That's happening. Yeah. And weirdly enough, it, all of the pre-reviews have been super positive from the same people who were super critical of the live action Cowboy Bop are actually being really positive about the live action One Piece at time of recording. I have not seen it, obviously, but that's the kind of thing that makes me really hopeful. Now, One Piece at, is extremely expensive, but it's being adapted from the third most successful comic intellectual property in human history and the most successful comic run in human history. So there is a excuse, a reason, a justification for shareholders and companies and whatnot to pump $18 million into every episode and build huge practical sets and basically turn a portion of South Africa into the world of One Piece. I don't think, as much as I love Warhammer, it has that same level of populist capital to justify investors putting that kind of money into it, as much as I would love it. Oh yeah, there's definitely that. And again, we're also in the middle of a fucking strike that's going to go on forever because fucking studio execs will not yes, part for this conversation. Half for this conversation, I'm going to just assume the writers or the strikers get what they want, and this is at a point afterwards because yeah. we are pro union here at this podcast. We are pro with the strikers and we're just going to assume that if this theoretical show happens it will be after all the strike stuff's handled yeah but my point is is like we are seeing the breakdown of the streaming model of doesn't work as well as they wanted it to and even all the money they spent on rings of power i don't I know love, if that made I it back them don't get something we yeah. love rings of power is awesome i don't think there was any way in the world rings of power could have made that money back in this day and age i will tell you as a, as a quick sidebar i only just today went and i had i had a loose idea of how what the writer's strike and the screen actor's strike actually were about but i went and just did some reading today to see like some of the actual grievances because i saw someone make a comment on youtube about it and yeah one of the things that they that they are striking about is that streaming shows because they are not television shows they are not beholden to the same rules and thus literally pay people doing the same job less the example yeah. i saw was that uh two different talk shows uh the problem with john stewart and the i don't know if it's the daily show or some other show point is one streaming talk show and one television talk show and the writers were getting paid vastly different despite having similar you know Fan, uh, fan bases yeah no streaming is at the heart of this whole thing but that's its own separate conversation so yeah my, my, my point of bringing that up with in that regard is that uh yeah the streaming companies themselves are being especially shitty so oh, God, just get yes. that out there but anyways so yeah budgeting on this is gonna be tricky because you like any good uh sci-fi setting it needs to have good props needs to have good costumes needs to have good sets and it needs to feel big even if you aren't going to go big. Which is yet another reason why probably, again, setting it on one location it, with uh, a main character with maybe a little ensemble. I don't think it's really justified to do a big ensemble at first anyway. Nope. Are, are good ways to save money and still use your money in appropriate places. Like, let me put it this way. For most of the show, I don't see much need for CG. At least for the first show. Like... 
whatever you need to do, computer graphics or big props, probably doesn't need to happen until the last couple episodes. Yeah, you do the the standard, uh, all the budget went to the last final five minutes. Yeah, and I know that that can annoy some people, but I feel like... It's how the sausage is made, folks. Yeah, but I feel like if you have good enough characters, good enough dialogue, and good enough sets, then you don't need to put all your budget into, you know, the first episodes. Yeah. So, yeah, Whereas if you did, like... Oh, go ahead. If you did like a full-on war story, on the other hand, with Space Marines, for instance, then yeah, you're gonna not really be able to avoid having to pump a bunch of money into every episode, and that's just not a good idea for something like this at first. Yeah, no, and even if you did, again, if you want to go big, it's gonna cost you, and that's its own. Like again, that's just an unavoidable fact. Like finding the budget on this is gonna be its own thing. It's funny because there are some franchises where I wouldn't be saying this aspect of like hey we're gonna pull back on a lot of things of the ip for a first adaptation because there are some franchises that are like very very defined like again i'm looking forward to saying the one piece thing but one piece is one story it's got a crazy world building but it's one linear story that you gotta follow whereas warhammer is an intellectual property with many stories just books alone is what a hundred and 50 if you count the 40k and the horse oh, there's stuff. way more than that there's like 60 horse heresy books in general just on in general like mainline yeah. horse heresy and and then there are so many different aspects of it and there are so many different like tones and aesthetics and, and so we don't have we're not forced to follow any one thing so pick the 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 idea of the story that's going to be the best way to properly use your money and properly get an audience that probably won't even realize at first the level of thing that they're watching. They're just going to be interested in the, the one story they're seeing. Yep. So, which is also why next bullet point, there's going to be people who want space Marines in the, at first straight up games and, workshops going to want space Marines up front because they want this to, this is, they want this to be the gateway drug into the hobby and they treat space Marines as the gateway into the hobby because they're cool and they're bright and they're colorful and they're shiny. And guess what? Boys eight to 15 love them. Yeah. Which is why I wouldn't be against putting some space Marines at the end of a season or something like that. But what games workshop, I hope has enough, uh, intelligence understand. you know what that sounds pretentious because i could be completely wrong but from my understanding of how like these kind of things work space marines are not going to be the key to getting an audience that isn't connected already into it or even those the you know that specific like if you're looking at a show you want a more general audience into because you want you yeah, want to get people you want to swing big yeah you're going to get people who themselves aren't going to get into the hobby but might have kids that, that will get into the hobby and whatnot. Yep. So you need something more generally accessible and guard or inquisitors, stuff like that is going to be a much better tool to do that. Well, there's Marines. another part of this, which is the inherent flip side to the space Marines of you want to bring people in thinking this is a serious, mature, grounded sci-fi show. Maybe it's a noir because we're following an inquisitor trying to root out a cult. You want them to think that, you know, this is made for adults. What you don't want is the eight foot tall primary color dude who calls everyone brother stomping around. Yeah, because at that point, I mean this in a, as a neutral comment, really. But at that point, 
if you're feeling like Power Rangers. Yep. And and again, I don't mean that bad or good, but it's oh, there's, there's still it's just a this. whole group, a subsect of people that knee jerk when like, oh, this isn't for adults. Oh, I'm an adult and it's not for me. And it's like, oh, come on, man. Everyone now, loves big stompy dudes. I'm not going to claim that that Warhammer shouldn't have stuff that's just for different age groups. I will reiterate Star Trek right now, I think is kind of a golden model for how to deal with IP stuff because they've got shows aimed directly at kids. They've got shows aimed exclusively at adults. They've got shows aimed at a more general audience. They've got different shows to serve different purposes. And Warhammer is a huge enough intellectual property to do the same thing. But that first show, you only get one chance to make a first impression on an audience who has never heard of Warhammer, right? They're going to see this pop up on whatever streaming service releases it. Now, what is going to pull them in? And you look at fiction, right? The the entirety of movies and television, it's, it's characters, it's conversations. There's a reason why shot reverse shot is basically unparalleled when it comes to, you know, actually getting butts in seats so yeah action money effects aesthetic all that's good but at the end of the day if you want a general audience to get on board with your intellectual property to watch your follow-up shows to get their talk to their friends to get their kids into the hobby you need a story that they're gonna like it's gonna stick with them that they're gonna talk about a water cooler and you do that with good characters yeah and i don't know were you in the hobby when they launched the warhammer adventures book series if I was, I don't remember it. So that was basically a series. They did a trilogy of 40K and a trilogy of Age of Sigmar that was designed for the pre-teen teen audience. Mm-hmm. And the community went apoplectic about it because yeah. they were trying to de-grim dark the universe by having these stories for kids. All right. And it was wow. it was it, it was incredibly dumb. And then people actually read them like, oh, no, these are still very much Warhammer. They just happened to, you know, be targeted towards kids with, you know, reading levels of six to, you know, uh, sixth grade to, you know, eighth grade. I was going to say, I have not read a Warhammer book yet that I feel like wouldn't be appropriate for someone in sixth grade. That's the other part of it. It's just like, again, it goes back to normal audiences and, you know, maybe, the lore is too dense. Maybe Fulgrim. Uh, Fulgrim has got some parts, but even then. But yeah, no, they, they they did it. And I think they pulled back on it because the community pitched such a hissy fit over the, the idea of how dare, ch- you know, some, uh, Dude, teenagers that, that be introduced back, that goes back to fucking so many nerd things of like there's this weird idea that if something is made for kids then somehow it's not worth and i know where you know what it's not even that weird i totally understand where it comes from because it comes from this like teenage concept of wanting you to find yourself as an adult and then push away from things that are childish but you know you tend to grow out of that there's a reason why like 90s comics that feel like they're super edgelordy feel now immature especially when you compare to there are plenty of children's cartoons especially made in the last 10 years that are actually feel way more mature than any of those things without ever having to sorry just an excuse to mention gravity falls and steven universe i guess but yeah no there's just again it's just part of this weird whole subset like we talked at the top that you know I'm not a normal audience because I can accept the depth of Grimdark and I can accept there are no good guys. And only I understand that the lore is just too dense for you normies. It's the same groups like no one but, you know, who I approve, who thinks like me would be able to understand the complexity of this. Yeah, teenage arrogance. Oh, and it it, it, it carries through. But no, talking about Space Marines, like if 
if he said, if I got the mandate, like this has to have a space Marine in it. I'm like, okay, we're doing him as a member of a Inquisitor's retinue. He's never taken that helmet off. Well, and he's going to be a quiet character. He'll be there. And we're like, he looks cool. We can put him on all the marquee stuff, but he's not going to be a main part of the plot. Cause just honestly, I would some something similar. What I would do personally, because again, I think, and I know I'm harping on my specific vision. There could be any other number of ways to do this. I'm just giving an example. If we go with Inquisitor in Hive City, let's stay with Gene Steeler Colts for a second. Have our first Space Marine be a Death Watch guy. Have yeah. it be a kill team of five dudes, just five. They show up near the end. They're probably, several of them have already died because they're dealing with this Gene Steeler Colt thing that our main character, our Inquisitor guy, is now getting involved with. And now he has to work with, in like the big two-parter at the end, work with this kill team to finish off whatever the thing is. So we see them for two episodes max, and there's no more than three to four characters that are space Marines. Yeah, no, you keep it something simple if you got to do it. Cause it's just, there's so much to unpack with space Marines that you don't really need. And I get it. They're big, they're flashy. They look cool. And also, if you are going to have that, having inquisitors perfect, cause the inquisitor will still get to treat them like he basically treats everyone else because he's an inquisitor. He doesn't he doesn't look at them the same way. But you'll get to have other members of the inquisitional party treat them as you know as starty. So we get to see that like okay, our main guy is treating them like regular people, and we've been following him or her for a while, so we can. But oh, they must be really important because all the other people are treating them really weird. So you get to have your cake and eat it too that way. Plus, this also serves as hinting at a bigger universe just off screen that maybe you want to check out. Yeah. Now, the next bullet point, we've I've basically already hashed it out like four times, which is where do you start? But in the interest of fairness, let's say we're not going to do Inquisitor on a Hive world. Yeah. Okay. And well, real quick, boss, we pitched this already. These are We've already pitched our dream scenarios. Unlike the, the whole other episode, we talked about it. And this is in there because, honestly, budget and stuff aside, there's a lot of really good places to start, you know, Warhammer. I think there is a world in which a Horus Heresy series could really work because it's got that political intrigue that we loved in Game of Thrones. But you know what? It would take some hammering. And you know what would never happen, but would be super ballsy, and I would have tons of respect if they did do? Have your main characters and your main cast be Eldar. Instead. I was going to say Tau, but yeah. Well, Tau, I think, requires too much money for the face paint and whatnot. But Maybe. Have it Point is, having your main characters be Xenos instead and having the Imperium literally be the boogeyman that's talked about through most of the season and then only seen maybe a couple times, like Kriegsmen or something, like the Exodite, yep. that would be so ballsy. I'm not saying that it would automatically make it better or worse. It would just be a really cool decision. It yeah. wouldn't happen, but it's cool. I had the thought, like, no, Tau would be really cool because, again, there's a lot of fun stuff to dig into there. But yeah, that but one goes think, back to might, expensive. But also keep in mind that an average audience will understand Eldar. They're going to see the ears and be like, oh, Vulcan or elves. I get that. Human, but right, not human. Yeah. Also, the other thing I thought, like, Eldar might be too weird at once. But nah, I don't know. I don't think so. Again, I think an audience will latch on to, oh, elves. Okay. The secret is you just got to pick something that has drama and interpersonal drama, which is also why Space Marines yeah, but one of the... can go one way or the other. Like sometimes Space Marines can have a lot of great interpersonal drama. Other times they're just big slabs of meat. I keep alluding to this. I, I think it's fresh on my brain because I, I recently watched, I recently rewatched uh, Bob Chipman's Really That Good for Star Wars. And 
and he talks about in that, which is basically a great as a great video if if anyone out there hasn't seen it. But he talks in that video about how one of the tricks that George Lucas pulls in Star Wars is by attaching names and words of familiar things to very unfamiliar things to get an audience to get into the right mindset. He talks about how like, oh, you've got this crazy hermit with seemingly weird powers and philosophy and a late sword. Oh, but he's a Jedi knight. I know what a knight is. Knight chivalry, code of honor. Like, okay, okay, I can attach that that comparison to this character. Uh, or the fact that Han is a smuggler. Like, okay, I don't know about all this ship and stuff, but I know what a smuggler is, so I have a general idea of what it, Those kind of concepts, you do the same thing. And that's what I mean here where I'm like, Eldar, space elves. People are going to see the ears uh, and start bringing in their, okay, I know what characters that look like this are in other fiction, and they're probably going to be something similar here. So you, you could play the same tricks to make the broadness of the 40K uh, aesthetic more palatable to an audience that doesn't know it. Yeah, the other one we got to address it. Other people are going to yell at us. It's Gaunt's Ghosts, which I've been reading. It really is just a commissar, his squad on a planet fighting. It's a World War II show. That also again, absolutely you could do guard, and, and, that and those work. are and those are established characters with literal books, so you can make a more direct adaptation there. Sure, I have no problem with that. I'm not even doing that. Option. I'm just saying you could literally take this. Is, we are following a squad of Imperial Guard on this planet. You get the interpersonal squabbles because there's nothing the Imperium loves than fighting amongst itself and bureaucracy. It captures the aesthetic. You don't really need to know anything more than these dudes are human, but they have advanced kind of technology and they're fighting something else and they're here's, miserable. Here's one thing I will say. Do not, do, do not start with either of my armies. <laughs> like, orcs should not be the villains at first. They are, they're a little too tangential to this whole conversation and sisters you could have one episode with sisters in it like you could have like maybe a temple wherever the setting is that has sisters there guarding some something and they they give some advice or whatever but we cannot have sisters be primary for the first thing that they're they are possibly sisters the are their own of, yeah in... they're possibly the epitome of extreme in the imperium and so we got to build to them <laughs> oh it's not even that's like there there is a conversation that needs to be had about some of the choices still being made with sisters of battle yeah yeah and designs and purpose and aesthetic and all that's like yeah there's there's a there's a discussion that needs to be had that well, no we don't again i am primarily a sisters of battle player would i love to see hospitaler do the hospitaler you know then you get that hinting at the bigger world without all the un of the unpleasantry that yeah. comes with would it. i love to see a battle sister show up and murder stuff with a bolt gun yeah would i also love just seeing like a sister superior have a conversation with our main character about something yeah just i don't need much no, <laughs> but, sister, don't, sisters don't can work, but don't yeah don't bring them in is the big one all right let's talk about the hard one because assuming we do the imperium because humans how do you address the fascist elephant in the room? I feel like, because I don't know, there are a few different ways you can do it. My instant thought was, well, we've got things like Man in the High Castle that are popular. And what was that Hunters show that you really liked? I liked Hunters and Hunters only got two seasons. Yeah. So, like, I feel that if this is a sh if this is a setting where we've already accepted earlier, right, that not having any good guys is not a barrier that means that we can also have a situation where the entire setting is knowingly to the audience 
bad and that's okay. And we can have a protagonist in that setting who is still relatable and followable without him endorsing necessarily what the setting is. Yeah. Hell, most Inquisitors do be like that, but from what I've read, Eisenhorn's a lot more like chill and he's the one that people tend to float around because we thought that was going to be the first show. But I'm just an example. Inquisitors are basically free from any consequences. So you can have one who basically makes it known that, hey, I do my job, I save you know, what I can, but this is a pretty fucked situation. So yeah, you no, can have that's it. why a lot of people suggest Gaunt's ghost. Is Gaunt's kind of like, yeah, Imperial Faith, Imperium over there, we're not really going to address the fascism of it all, but we're, we're busy, you know, we, we've got... We're, we're small, simple men. We have smaller concerns. Yeah. So I honestly, I I feel like you can't ignore it entirely. You shouldn't you ignore it because you're going to, people are going to point out going, I don't know if I want to watch a show where Nazis are the main characters. It's like, well, let's, let's find a way to talk I also about think, that. I also think you probably don't want to lean into it all the way like Starship Troopers did. Nope, I because audiences have proven they're too dumb to get that you're trying to say, not this, don't do this. This isn't an endorsement. Yeah. I feel like you need to make it. I hate saying just make it a conversation because I feel like it's a cop out and I feel like we shouldn't actually give any credence to the the idea that there, you know, that the Imperium is. This is where you're going to the only way to do it. And this is where it's going to piss Warhammer fans off. But it needs to happen is they need to divorce themselves of any idea of this is the way it has to be or this is the best way for it to be. Like, they need to have an actual character going, this is dumb, why are we still doing this? You need to address that. And That's you... one of the reasons why I like the idea of actually starting with the Eldar, which yes. even, even though it won't happen, this the perfect way to circumvent this problem at the very least. Because then you can do the follow-up series, essentially, that we're talking about, but if your first series is all about the Elves and how they see the Imperium, then it allows you to set up a initial setting while also telling the audience like hey we'll probably find out more about them later but they're pretty fucked up well the way i can see to do it is if we do our guard story and we get to the other side and we do the whole guard rebellion and this whole time we've been thinking oh chaos or something we get there and like no these were people that just saw the imperium and said this is fucking stupid why the hell are we doing this and these characters we've been rooting for kind of face face with we just murdered a bunch of people that like, I don't like this system. This system is dumb. What if we did it a different way? Now, here's a question. What is... Does a show have a moral obligation to make it clear, like crystal clear, that the people involved are are bad? When they're Nazis, I, I, Yes. If you are playing with Nazi fire, you have to come down unequivocally and state Nazis are the bad guys. Absolutely terrible, horrible, degenerate human beings. Otherwise, you get the boys effect where a bunch of people get upset when they're like, wait a second, Homelander's the bad guy? What about... Because also, like... 40K has a Nazi problem because they've never addressed... Yeah, yeah, I get that. But I'm just thinking of like, I saw Sisu this year and sisu i think does a real job of making sure the nazis are the bad guys but also giving you an understanding of like okay we get why this guy's doing what he's doing uh they don't but yeah he's still the bad they're still evil well it's also because again we assumed until recently that everyone was at the same page of yeah nazis are bad and always worth killing yeah so here's here's what i'll say about that i don't believe that there's such thing necessarily as a 
any objective moral responsibility because I don't believe that there's any such thing as objective morals. But and so it shouldn't a show shouldn't have the responsibility to have to say Nazis are evil because your audience should be fucking smart enough to know that Nazis yeah. are evil. I will accept your point though that something like Thanos and Homelander have proved that People that's unfortunately dumb. not the world we live in. So yeah, no, maybe the best thing to do, and I've been saying that Warhammer should do this, is if you're a cultist or you're rebellion. They are nothing more than people that are just rebelling against a broken system and our characters are forced to go, oh, maybe they're right. Which does happen. I know that it gets lost in, in a lot of the talks, but as far as I know, the lore does straight up just have rebellions that aren't chaos and aren't gene stealers. Every once in a while rebellion. they do, but they almost always are chaos or they go or they get destroyed these they get destroyed like it never wants to do like yeah no the humans are stupid because and that kind of goes back to this whole having to stay I game mean, dark and you could you could arguably have your cake and eat it too where you could have characters that are corrupted and characters who are not and the characters who are not like help the characters who are our protagonists but at the end still are like i i still believe everything i said just because i'm helping you kill the three-armed people doesn't mean that you know we're gonna be okay after this yeah no after this we're still going back to war because you're a literal fucking fascist yeah so you could you could have your cake and eat it too there you could literally it's the yeah. classic like we could be allies for now once the gene stealers are killed then it gets difficult yeah and that could actually be really interesting and works no matter what show you're telling if you have that interlude of meeting people they're like the imperium is fucked it doesn't work and it doesn't work because it's dumb i i want to be clear though of all the bullet points you have here this is the one i feel like you and i are least equipped to give an actual solution to because oh, i yeah. don't think that there is a real solution to this. I'm just saying, like, it's it's got to be discussed because that is an actual problem anyone making this show has to address. I agree, and I mean, I'm of the opinion that if the show can make it absolutely clear to fans who take the Imperium that seriously that uh, basically as, as hardcore as Warhammer Fantasy talks about fascism through the Skaven is how hardcore I wanted to be clear with 40K. The, the best thing they could do is it's like almost a predominantly female-led production because That'd then be cool. then there you go half the nazi audience is already gone you know what i love that idea just have it you know i'm going to start saying she in general i wanted a female inquisitor at the very least then have it's going to be a female, be a female inquisitor female director, and a female, female commissar writer. with a female anyone, regiment and anyone who would get pissed off by the just the that sentence that i just uttered don't need them anyway fuck yep. off which that also kind of comes around to the second issue is the community well same thing i just said basically if that sentence of female-led female director you know female writers if that at least you know prominent ones they don't have to be all of them but just prominent ones if that pisses a person off then fucking boot them i don't care Let yeah because you're gonna need annoying. to do that because literally the worst thing for this show is you get someone that's like well i really like this warhammer show i'm gonna go interact with the community that's walking into a buzzsaw for yeah. any hope or ambition they had if the first thing get met with stop trying to change the hobby tourist you know what's funny that there's a certain level of that is unavoidable I oh yes I but I before... that's why this is a real problem i don't know how you solve yeah, because like I mentioned before, the the One Piece thing, I've been a part of the One Piece community since I was 
13 years old. And generally speaking, it's a very, very positive community. It's just also a community that dealt with being seen as a joke for a long time because when One Piece first came out in America, it came out under a bad four kids dub. And so it was seen as the shitty version of Shonen until it basically just steamrolled everything out. But I think there's a bitterness there. So this community that I'm used to being really positive, I've now watched in the last few weeks fighting with like the Naruto, Dragon Ball, and Bleach communities, which doesn't make any sense to me because I'm like, I, there's no reason to be. Anyway, my point People is that even, yeah, even good, generally good communities will still get this kind of shit happen. Yeah. So no, this is this. It's Star Wars. It's Lord of the Rings. It's it's gonna be an issue. I don't know how you've you fix it. I don't know how they've necessarily fixed it or dealt with it but it's there and it has to be addressed and honestly this goes back to games workshop actually making an effort and following through with their statements i you know what's funny i was gonna say what something that is a solution is basically just time and and like how much it spreads but no star wars proves that absolutely wrong sometimes a community can have time and spread to a general populace and that makes it worse somehow so mm -hmm. I, I there is no there is no known solution to this. There are there are things we would like to be solutions, like spreading you know messages of tolerance and spreading to more demographics so you've got more voices and whatnot. But and I want those to be the solutions. I just haven't seen evidence that those are the solutions yet. Yeah. All right. Moving down our list. Uh, how do you capture the scale? This is a big ass universe. Now I don't think this is too big a one. Cause... I mean, honestly, right off the bat, don't. Not not right off the bat anyway. Well, and you don't even have to like just drop references to things outside the universe, which is a great way of, again, people that know like, oh, cool. People that don't know like, huh, a word I don't recognize, but I can tell from context, it means something bigger than all of this. And also you do plenty of that in the background so that if yeah. you're not paying attention to it, it's more like subliminal, like... Uh, radio messages or posters that reference like a war going on somewhere else or you know just yeah this like is that. kind of an easy one it's like yeah no just have world building that makes it feel world building is how you build scale i don't have i don't have anything more complicated yeah, than that. I've, I've watched great world building in pieces before and you can do it you know slowly in piecemeal yeah uh last thing on the list is finding the audience i mean literally every other bullet point we've discussed is basically contributing to this in some yeah. way but we got to talk about this one. This one has to work of how will this work? This has to work for Warhammer fans. And this has to work for people that have never heard of Warhammer. What is going to interest both those groups? And we, again, we said we've talked around it when with it with several points on here. I don't think you actually need to interest both groups. I think that even well, though I may, business I may wise, Warhammer, you need to. Uh, business wise, I think it's far more important to get the non-fans like yes. i'm a fan and even though i want to be happy i am i am i can look at this objectively and say it's far more important that people who don't know warhammer enjoy the show than people who do yeah. now there are other problems that arise when you have a situation like that i'm not saying it's ideal ideal is what you just said where both groups are happy but if we're gotta lean one way it's more important for a general audience, not the fan audience, to, to like the thing. Also, let's be honest, the Warhammer community loves the bitch, but they also really love Warhammer. I mean, the fact that Warhammer Plus is still going proves how low the bar really is for Warhammer fans. Well, also, in general, and I don't have any great examples on hand, if you have a piece that a general audience likes, 
but the niche audience doesn't like, time will make it so that that thing, because a general audience liked it, that thing will stick around. And then the people who didn't like it will kind of fiddle out and go away because that means that the thing was probably generally good and not good in the specific way that the, you know, the obsessed person wants. Obsessed the wrong, too strong a word. But the point is that if you make a generally good piece, then it will stick around. It'll get momentum. It'll be, you know, effective at what it does. Whereas if you have the other way around, a general audience doesn't like it, but the niche audience does. The best you can hope for is that it's a cult movie and it's never going to have like much of an impact. It'll just be fondly remembered by the small group of people who like it. And there's nothing wrong with that, but what we're aiming for is entrance to vast adaptation potential yep. in this intellectual property. And from that perspective, it's more important to hit the mass audience than it is to hit us. Yeah. And I think ultimately like the best, concluding thought as this is for most people our age demographic our intro to warhammer was one of the dawn of war games which yeah really covered all these things like did it have did we accept the grimdark setting yeah because they never had they weren't like but look at the cherubs look at this. no we accepted them all of this dawn of war did all of this stuff and like Again, for video game, it doesn't have the same issues as a TV show, but it kind of found a way to make all those things work, including getting people that had no idea what it was to go, I enjoy this, I want to know more. I'm going to be fully honest. Now that we've discussed all your bullet points, I really only think there's two that are really the obstacles. Yes. One is, one is the fascist problem, yep. which is a moral obstacle. I think if we took the moral question and put it aside. It's not actually an obstacle as far as art is concerned, but that's a whole sticky conversation about what art and moral responsibility is. And I'm not a fucking philosopher, so I'm not touching, go, go, go deep into that. And then the other one is expense. Those are really the only two real obstacles, I feel. like Everything else is some matter of making a mountain of a molehill. Yeah, but I, my, the, my point is you look at the stuff that everyone discusses, discusses when they talk about the Warmer TV show and you look at what we talk about and the crossover between those two is almost non-existent. I mean, I'll believe you. I, I even... I'm saying honestly, in Luton's, like, two-hour video, what did he talk about other than the lore is too dense and yeah, but the I don't grim dark? Put, I don't want to put the target directly on Luton because I love no, Luton's... I don't want to put a target on Luton like, because I don't want to anger people that love Luton because there's more of them that love him than love me. Yes, but also... I just adore Luton's material. And just because I disagree with him a lot about that, I have no idea how prevalent those views are in other creators because I kind of don't listen to many Warhammer creators unless I know who they are, basically, because it's a that community problem we talked about before. <laughs> a lot of them go back to the lore is too dense, but that typically comes from people who make their careers talking about the lore. So there's an Ouroboros effect going on here. Yeah. Anyway, I don't I don't know what else really there is to be said. I think that it's not nearly as insurmountable as it seems, except no. for the fact that it's going to be hard to get any shareholder or any investor to invest in it because it just doesn't have – it's still pretty niche. Yes, it's grown crazily in the last few years comparatively to the kind of things that you know movie and TV people want to make. It's still seen as pretty niche. Yeah, and more the point wasn't just to, we're going to answer all these things. We're going to talk about, like, no, yeah, no. Again, Henry Cavill's not, not going to save us. 
Henry Cavill is not the silver bullet solution to this. In fact, he is a he green may... flag. He is a I think I think he's a green flag, but again, he's yes. not not a savior. Yes. And also to point out, like, the issues everyone keeps talking about aren't necessarily the issues that have to be addressed. But I, I think that for me, the final conclusion is that we talk about this a lot because we love Warhammer and because it's an excuse to talk about, like, what kind of things we think are interesting about it. But at the end of the day, if they could get the money, I don't think it's actually that big a thing. I think that we've seen adaptations of stuff way crazier. Oh, yeah. Again, I have no idea if it succeeded or not, but the fact that One Piece is getting a live-action show with as much money as it is and supposedly is good, and I'll eat my words if next week all the reviews come out terrible, but I'm just saying that that exists. We can do Warhammer. It's not a problem. Yeah. Now, one of the funny things I think about is people say, I don't know, if I had a billion dollars, you'd never hear from me again. I think if I had a billion dollars, I'm that crazy movie producer that's making all the weird shit. Yeah, probably. Well, yeah. Yeah, no, if I got a billion dollars, I'm fucking Ted Turner. I'm like, you know what? I like this. I'm going to fund a movie about my personal hobby. And why not? I have a billion dollars. Sure. I feel like there's a whole other conversation there. So save yeah. the time. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. Be sure to like, share, subscribe. Do all the things that the algorithm demands of you. Because we're probably going to get yelled at. Because we talked about Warhammer and we didn't bow down and say Luton's the best. So I'm going to get yelled at. So I don't I know. Mean, I mean, I, I think he's pretty much the best. But I know. We, we've got the balancing act. It's like Axel loves him. I am more reserved. People are going to be pissed at me. Whatever. Of course, I'm also a fucking idiot. So what do I know? But whatever place you're currently listening to us on, thank you. And if there's some other place, and by place, I mean platform. Don't, you know, try to semantic me. I'm, I'm pedantic too. But if there's another place that you would like us to be on that we're not currently, tell us about it. We'll look into it. If it's feasible, we'll make it happen. As always, it's been Lord Commander Ulrich. And the shield brother, Axel Wright. Until next time, may the dice roll in your favor.